Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. some big, powerful dreams. Good morning, Hope Elam. It's so good to have you here this morning. I want to welcome you, those of you that are in the room and the many that are worshiping with us online, wherever you may be this morning. Welcome into our living room here at Hope Elam. It's so great to have you here as we head into the season of Thanksgiving. Dreams are powerful. Dreams help us move our eyes from what is to what could be. Dreams keep us moving. Dreams provide hope. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. It's called The Pursuit of Happiness. came out uh, quite a few years ago uh, now, starring Will Smith. I was thinking this morning, what movie is Will Smith not in? But um, he's, in, he's in quite a few. But it's called Pursuit of Happiness, but I very much could probably be renamed The Pursuit of a Dream. Will Smith plays this real-life character. It's based on reality of Chris Gardner, who is a single dad that is raising his son. And it's pretty crazy that not only is this some child actor, this is actually Will Smith's son in real life that played his son uh, in the movie. So that would be a pretty powerful experience for him. But they are trying to make ends meet. They get evicted. They are, they are um, not even on food stamps. They're literally going from shelter to shelter. They're sleeping in public bathrooms. They're trying to make ends meet. He's, he's split with his wife, and he's trying to do everything to provide for his son. And because life has beat him down so much, it is hard not to be cynical. And he's stopped dreaming, and so he's unintentionally in that scene doing to his son what the world has so often done to him, and that is throw some water on the fire of his dreams. To say, oh, you're grown up now, and you're an adult, and you need to kind of get a little bit more practical and a little bit more productive and a little bit more serious with your life, so just cut it with all the dreaming. You're never going to actually be a professional basketball player, so you should probably just stop. And I wonder this morning, when did you stop dreaming? When did you give up your childlike faith? As we sang about this morning, when did you lower your expectations of what God is capable of in your life? They never lowered, but we live underneath those. Do we believe that we have a God of miracles? There's two different ways, by the way, to worship. Praise God for our worship team. We give God praise for them one more time. But here's the deal. Wouldn't it be awesome if as a church when we sang songs like that and we sang, when I, when I lift my voice, when I, when I lift my eyes, when I lift my voice, when I lift my hands, miracles start breaking out. There's two different ways to worship saying, hey, there are words on a screen and it sounds like Christian language or the way of worshiping. What if we walked in here every single week and we sang those songs because we've been living in miracles and we've been opening our mouth and walking in the authority and it's an explanation. What if worship was an explanation of what had been going on the entire week as a church? Amen? We're not We're not coming to consume a church service. We're going and being the church all the week, and we just get to celebrate on Sunday what God's been doing the entire week. Amen? Now, that might blow your mind. Like, that's not what I grew up. Well, well, that's where this train is headed. So you can jump on or jump off, but that's where Hope Elam is headed, okay? When did you stop dreaming? Oh, that's just for kids. 
Think back to when you were a kid. What were your dreams growing up? We had plenty, my brother and I had plenty of rock concerts on the back of our couch growing up. We had plenty of World Series Game 7 Grand Slam to win the game in, in the back lot. Whatever it is, what were your dreams growing up? I still have dreams. If the whole pastor thing doesn't work out, I am going to the NBA. That's my fallback career. Uh, although I'd be considered a veteran now in my late 30s, but I think I can still, I think I can still make it. I have to get some new shoes, but I, I think I could do it. When did you stop dreaming? And my challenge to us this morning, and my invitation is to you, is maybe you've never been a part of a church before that has invited you to dream with them. Maybe the churches that you've been a part of before have said, we're just going to go through the motions and we're going to lower our expectations and we're just going to come in, I'm going to find my seat and sit my coffee and go through the motions every single week and we'll let you, the pastor, set the agenda here. Well, in this church, we don't set the agenda. He sets the agenda and we walk together to follow that. Amen? We are inviting you to dream with us again, not just these ambitious childhood dreams about being a professional athlete. I'm talking about what dreaming what God is capable of doing in and through us as a church. Amen? God is capable of doing more than we could ever ask or imagine. And believe it or not, the Bible has a lot to say about dreams. The Bible has a lot to say about visions. All the way back in the book of Acts chapter 2, we read this. Now, the 9 o'clock crowd was a little sleepy. We kind of had to rev them up a little bit this morning. I, I, I doubt that's the case with all of you. You've had your coffee. You've had your breakfast. Let's give it the old college try here, the 11 o'clock service. Nice and loud. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. All people. Everybody say all. All, all people. That includes you this morning. This isn't for wild and crazy Christians and pastors that had too much coffee. This is for everybody. You are included in this. And just if you are wondering, those days are these days. That Holy Spirit lives inside every single one of you this morning. So everything that we're talking about this morning isn't just for some Christians. It's for all Christians. It's for all of you. Lots of dreams, lots of visions all throughout Scripture. Paul puts a new spin on it. In a passage maybe you're familiar with, this is in the epistles, this is in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's read this now. This is a benediction. So what Paul would do is he would write letters to the churches here in Ephesus that he would help plant. And at the end, he would write a blessing or a benediction on that. And it was meant to be like the exclamation point on the entire letter. This is the blessing. This is the benediction. So let's give it everything we've got here. Let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Beyond. Everybody say beyond. 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 And I don't know about you, but I could ask or thank God for a lot of things. But what is Paul saying here? You can't outdream God. You can't outvision God. You can't outthink God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So if you think you've got a really good idea or if any of us think that we have like a really big dream for this church, that is nothing. That is nothing. Far and beyond, God says, are my dreams and visions of what I want to do in and through you as a church. And we are just getting started and we're inviting you to dream with us. I don't know if, uh, if any of you have uh, realized this, <laughs> but we have a pretty big God. And we have a God that is capable, and he's done things in this last year that are that verse. This isn't some hypothetical, oh yeah, I'm gonna post it on my Instagram and I'm put it on my a little magnet, on my, you know, God is capable of infinitely beyond. No, he's doing it and you're a part of it. So open up your eyes to see what God is doing. How big is your God? 
How big is your God? Is he in a nice little box where it's safe and comfortable based on your denominational upbringing or the way that you think a church should be? Or about the God that you read in scripture that is capable of doing miracles? The God that can take apathetic people that don't want anything to do with Jesus of the church and turn them into fully devoted, on-fire followers of Jesus? that can heal addictions, that can restore marriages, that can bring people back into the family of God that have gone astray, that don't think that God could forgive them. How big is your God? This is the same God that is capable of doing beyond what we could ask or imagine. This is the God that we've seen at work over the last year here at Hope Elam. And speaking of the last year, how many of you, just give a little shout, were here last weekend for our anniversary celebration. How many of you here? Absolutely. Man, it was so great. Powerful, inspiring, electric, incredible. Just a few of the words that people were sharing about the weekend. Started with our men's event on Saturday morning with John Turnipseed. On Saturday night, our celebration here. And then Sunday morning, just a powerful time of worship. Dr. Brian Brown did an incredible job for us. And his message, yeah, you bet. His message was this, press on. Keep pressing. Hope Elam, don't get comfortable. It would be easy to say, oh, we've arrived. We've done it. Racial unity. Far from it. God has done so much, but we have so far to go. Amen? There are a lot of pains and ills and wounds and, and, broken and brokenness and injustice in our nation that still needs to be undone for hundreds of years. Oh, our work is far from over. And so it would be very easy for us to just get complacent and say, well, we've arrived. That's great. But here's the thing. There's always more with God. Keep pressing. Keep dreaming. And as I shared a couple weeks ago in my message, we have a God that does the impossible. And I, I don't know if you've thought about this or, or anything, but like literally just a little over two years ago, none of this existed. <laughs> Hope Elam did not exist. Neither of, we, nobody owned this building, right? Another church was here and they were like, we need to move. And we're just waiting for another church to come in and a fresh wind of the spirit to blow through this place. None of this existed. And that's how big God is. That in the middle of everything that's been going on in our world, he brought these two churches together and here we are. That doesn't ha- all of that doesn't happen unless we have a God that does the impossible. And hear me say this, God, God is the one that has done all of that. God has done absolutely incredible things, but he chooses to work through us. And we want to celebrate that today. On your way in, hopefully all of, all of you this morning received a flyer that looks like this. And I want to just share with you just a few things on there. Hopefully there's one per family so you can share it and things like that. But just to share with you a little bit about all the things that God has done. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We're just getting started. The ways that God has continued to grow us as a church. Worship not only deep and wine and continuing to pay off our debt that we're going to talk about a little bit, but what God has done through us as well. And in the meals and the service to our community and, and launching these nonprofits and getting them in our building. 200 people have gone through uh, support groups, our ESL classes here as a church, supporting our uh, Hope Elam Preschool as well. But not just growing wide, but growing deep. We have more small groups than ever before. People volunteering and saying, I'll start a group. I'll reach out to the new people that are coming. People taking classes, children's and family activities and classes, fit college students and young adults. And I could just keep on going and going and going. And we're just getting started. That's just the tip of the iceberg. God is doing incredible things. And there's no way it happens without him. It's all him. We're, we're desperate for him. We're helpless without him. Here's the thing. God doesn't need us. Have you ever thought about that? 
We don't really bring that much to the table because he's the God of the universe and he can do it without us. But here's the amazing thing, the thing that is, that is all grace and yet God chooses to use us. He invites us into it. So lest we would get high and mighty and think, whoa, look at everything that we've done. Yeah, hope Elam, right? It's all him. Not to us, but to your name be the glory, okay? So hear me say that loud and clear. This is celebrating what God has done, okay? And we can stop and we can celebrate that. But it doesn't happen without us. God chooses to work in and through us. And there's no way that all of that happens without this place, without this facility. And there will never be probably anybody that will rail on this truth more than me, is that the church is not a building, amen? The church is not a building, but boy, it's really helpful, okay? A building is really helpful, and it's an incredible tool for ministry, and so many of these things we would not be able to have if we didn't have this lighthouse in the middle of the city that people can come to. And the reason that we have this, there's no way that you inherit a 77,000-square-foot building that is 130 years old and probably hadn't been updated for, you know, four or five decades, that you just walk in here and do the things that we've done this year. It comes with the incredible, incredible, faithful, generous, and sacrificial giving of hundreds of people over the last several years that have given above and beyond their regular tithes and offerings to our general fund to something we call a giving campaign. And now some of you are like, I don't know anything about this. What, what, what is this, some sort of like Ponzi scheme or something? What's going, what's going on here? Giving campaigns and the way that we do them at all of our campuses at Hope is that they are guilt-free, pressure-free opportunities for you to join God in what he's doing. An invitation for you. And that's what the invitation is to today as well. And these renovations and what God has done here, this has allowed us to do all of this ministry. This doesn't happen on accident. Those of you that own older homes, you know the joys of home ownership, of older homes, right? There's always something, and so that need continues to go on as well. Now, when I say given sacrificially, I don't just mean financially. All of us have been given three things by God to steward well. That is our time, our talent, and our treasure. Everybody say time. May say talent, may say treasure. And so often we just think, oh, it's financial, and here comes the money sermon, so I'm going to check out. Don't check out. Do you want to know why? Every single one of you have been given 24 hours in a day. Seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, and give or take 80, 90, 100 years, if God blesses you in that way. What are you doing with the time that's been given to you? All of us have been given the same amount of time, and we've been asked to steward that time. Every breath we have is a gift of grace from God. You don't earn any of it. You don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve any of it. What are you doing with that time? God has also given every single one of us here today and online talents, gifts, and skills that can be used. And so when I say your investment in this building and in this church, it is far from just being financial. So many of you, hundreds of you have participated in our work days and renovation and done things that have saved us thousands of dollars from hiring professional contractors. We do that when it's like, oh, electrical stuff, you know, we don't want to die, and that's good. But for those of you that have volunteered in that, you literally have blood, sweat, and tears in this building. That's why there's so much ownership and pride when you walk in this building. Like, I helped with this. I'm a part of this. Your prayers are inside of this stage. You're more a part of this than you know. It's time, it's talent and treasure, and God has called us to steward that well. So why are we talking about this today? John, do you just love talking about money? Oh, I love it. I just, I just can't wait to get up and preach about money because I know everybody loves to talk about money in church. Just, whoo, can't wait. No, that's not it, but we'll get more to that later. We share this today because last November we didn't exist. 
And so many of you, have, we, we haven't had the opportunity to talk about this. We were moving buildings. We were in the middle of a pandemic. We were merging churches, and there was a lot going on. And so we owe it to you to give you an update. This campaign that we've been in, called Building to a Hope Beyond, for a lot of you that you've been giving to, officially wraps up next month in December at the end of 2021. And so as you can see on the bottom of that flyer, we're not done yet. We still have a ways to go. The campaign may be officially coming to a close, but there are some unmet pledges there that were pledged, and there's also a sizable debt. Now, those of you that are in the uh, financial uh, world or those of you that are in the real estate world, you know to have a building this size with that small of debt is a miracle in and of itself, right? So praise God for that. That is absolutely incredible. But at the same time, the reality is, is that out of our general fund, we are paying at least $60,000 just in interest every single year. That is an annual interest that's going straight to the bank. And I don't know about you, but when I look at that, I love banks. They hold our money. But I don't want to give any more money to the bank. I want to give it to these neighborhoods, and I want to make a tangible difference in the lives of people in these neighborhoods. And so think about what we could do if all of that money was freed up. And that's what we need your help with, for that money to go right back out the door. And here's the thing. You've been doing that already. Hope Elam, you gave last year as we asked you to tithe, we tithe as a church. And last year, this church gave over $60,000 right back out these doors to over 30 local and global mission partners around the world. So praise God for that. And I don't think it's ironic that we gave $60,000 and yet we pay $60,000 in interest. We could double that and we could double the amount that goes right back out these doors. People need our help. People need our help. And some of you are able to do that. And so some of you might be wondering, geez, okay, he's really laying it on. Why, why are we doing this? Why, why can't we just talk about puppies and Thanksgiving and rainbows and nice, why, why do we have to talk about this? Three reasons I want you to let you know that this is uh, coming up today that are not true. Number one, some of you are like, <gasps> is the church in some sort of financial trouble? Absolutely not. Could we always use more? Absolutely. Are we head and shoulders above? No. We are making ends meet, and we rely on those gifts to the general fund to do everything that we do as a church. But we're not in any kind of financial trouble. We are self-sufficient, self-sustainable as an independent campus here at Hope Elam. And praise God for that. That's awesome. So the answer is no, we are not in financial trouble. Some of you are like, oh, I get it. They're laying it on us because they're afraid. We're not, we're, not, we're not making ends meet, and so we're just going to kind of buy into the world's idea of living in stress and fear when it comes to money. Never, never lost a minute of sleep about it, and I can say that with 100% transparency. We're not buying into the world's idea of fear, and that's because for 20 years, Elam and Hope Des Moines and now is Hope Elam, we choose to operate in the financial world with trust about a God that is bigger and is able to meet our needs. And we trust him and we will continue to trust him. So we're not operating out of fear. And some of you are like, I get it. I know what it is. I've heard this before. I'm trying out a new church. I get it. It's all about the money. That's what it is. And we want to get the pastor a private jet and a jacuzzi in his office and everything like that. There's a separate fund for that, by the way, if you want to. I'm just kidding. It's good to laugh a little bit, isn't it? It's good to laugh. No, we're not here to, to put the pressure on by any means, but I know that that's a real thing for a lot of you. And there is nothing that we are more passionate about as a church than being a place of healing and restoration for people that have experienced hurt by the church. And I know that when we talk to people and we meet with people and I get together on a regular basis with people for coffee or lunch, that is one of the top things that comes up. Ah, it sounds really great, hoping you and everything, but I've just got really, really burned before. 
In fact, I tell this story a lot. Five or six years ago, I was meeting with a couple. They were new to the Des Moines area. Got coffee with them over at Smoky Row, over by the interstate, and uh, just sharing about Hope Elam, everything like that. In the back of my head, I know I'm giving this talk that weekend. I'm giving the money talk, and I'm going to bring it that weekend, and I'm meeting with them on a Monday or a Tuesday, and they're telling me all about their previous experiences and some things, some struggles they've had with churches in the past, and they bring up one of the things, hey, it seems like all churches ever do is talk about money. <laughs> and that's been a really struggle for them. And so we're looking to start fresh and we're looking for a new church home here uh, in Des Moines, everything like that. And I share about our mission and our vision, kind of forget about the money part. And we get to the end of the conversation and then it pops back into my head. Oh no, I'm giving, I'm giving the tithing talk this weekend. And they are fired up. And you know, as couples often do, they kind of give each other that look and they're like, Pastor John, we've really enjoyed our time with you. We're really excited about, about uh, what God's doing in, in the church, and we, we really want to be a part of that. I think we're going to come check it out this weekend. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'd, I'd, maybe give it a couple weeks. I've heard some weird things about the pastors. I, I don't think you want to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Five or six years ago, maybe that would have been the case. It's not the case anymore. I was actually really looking forward to getting up this morning and sharing this with you. I love talking about money, and here's why. Number one. Because of the incredible joy and freedom that God wants to give you by doing money his way. Amen? God wants to give you that this morning and he wants to set you free. And as one of your pastors that loves you and cares about you, I want the very best for you. And if, and, if, and if talking about money is a spiritual discipline, which it is, we should talk about it as much as we do as worship or prayer or reading your Bible. And, and heaven forbid that we would not challenge you with those things. So why would I shy away from these things? Jesus talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. So I'm going to talk about it. And no, I didn't tell that couple not to come. I said, sure, come. We're going to talk about money. Wink, wink. But it's going to be great. And you're going to love it. Because the Bible talks nothing about pressure or guilt or games or gimmicks or any of those things. And number two, the reason I, I love getting up and speaking on days like today is because you talk about the things that you love. And I believe that there's nothing more important this side of heaven than what God wants to do through his local church called Hope Elam. And I would not be here if I didn't believe in it 100%. And I love talking about it. Amen? So we talk about the things that we love. God wants to do that in and through us. God's word is very clear. When we talk about money, we talk about our time, our talent, our treasure. It has never been about guilt and pressure. It's always about joy and freedom. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read this nice and loud together. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in the Greek is hilarion, and it's where we get the English word hilarious. God loves hilarious giving. God loves giving that's, that's from a joy-filled heart that springs up out of the overflow of your heart. God loves hilarious giving, joy-filled giving that doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world so much so that you can laugh about it. And even when the pastor is giving the money talk, you'll never... I haven't laughed that much in church for a long time, and it was on the tithing sermon. Imagine that, right? God wants to fill you with that joy and that freedom. Everything at Hope Elam is a get-to and not a got-to. When we stand up here and we talk about serving and we talk about giving your time, your talent, your treasure, if you ever feel one ounce of guilt or pressure, don't give. We're not that stressed out about it. We're not losing sleep over it. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he has taken care of us and will continue to take care of us. Amen? We're not worried about it. God wants us to give out of a joy-filled, generous Heart. God's way more, God's not so focused on counting your pennies as much as he is looking at your heart. 
And that's honestly what he's concerned about this morning because he know, knows where your heart is, there your treasure will be, right? We read that in Matthew chapter 6. Where your heart is, there your worship will be. And there your finances and your time and your talent will follow. And so it would be very easy for us to, uh, to just lay the guilt and lay the pressure on you, but we're not going to do that. First of all, it's between you and God. Your pastors, the church staff, don't know and will never know what you give. That's between you and God. We never plan to know. And secondly, if you ever feel guilt or pressure, don't give. Because the kind of giving that God wants is from a joy-filled heart, and that can only come through giving that's done through faith. And that comes by praying about it. And so that's what we would ask you to do is just, this is our motto. <laughs> if you need a motto or a gimmick or something like that for our campaign or general fund giving, here's the big motto. You ready for this? Here's our big theme for, for getting you excited about money. Pray about it. That's it. It's not between me and you. It's between you and your creator, the one that has given you everything that you have to begin with. So pray about it and ask God this prayer. It could be game-changing. Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your mission for Hope Elam? Notice what that's not about. It's not about you and your opinions and your ideas and your agendas. It's about his kingdom. Your will be done, not my will be done for this church. So God, what do you want to do through me? I am an instrument of your grace. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about generosity this morning. Why? Because Jesus talks about it. And the Bible has some very practical tools and things that are going to help us. And here's the thing. I know we've got some teenagers in here. I know we've got some college students in here. I know we've got some young adults in here. I know there's some of you that are all over the age spectrum. And at any one of those seasons of our life, we can say, oh, this doesn't really apply to me. It applies to you because everything that you have is a gift of God. And that's where we have to start. There's three Ps that I want to highlight for you. Even if you think it's cheesy, it helps me understand and it helps me remember. So there's three keys that I want you to remember this morning. Everybody say priority. priority. Say percentage. percentage. Say progressive. progressive. No, not the car insurance. Progressive kind of giving. We're going to talk about each one. The first one is priority. The first one is priority. Uh, Psalm 24 puts it this way. Let's read it together. Go ahead and go to the next slide. There we go. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everybody say everything. everything. By everything, I mean everything. We have to start giving. We're not going to have the conversation about what I should do until we talk about whose it is to begin with. Everything, everything that we have, your finances, your house, your car, your dog, your kids, my kids are not ours. They have been given to us to steward on behalf of God. They are his. Everything that we have is ours. And yet, we've been conditioned to view that it's mine. What is the easiest word for a child to say and that doesn't even need to be taught to them? My, mine, 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 from the earliest age. I never taught my kids to say mine. It's like, mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, right? That's what the world teaches us. Get as much as you can. Get as much as you can. Put it in a can and sit on that can. That's what the world says. Hoard it. Keep it to yourself. Bible tells a much different story. If it's all God's to begin with, and we're going to get to that 10% tithe in a second. Some of you are like, geez, giving 10%? That's a lot. God's letting you keep 90. He's entrusted you with 90. That's pure grace right there. We're going to talk about why that's important in a second. But here's the deal. Look at this in Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Some of you are like, I knew it. I'm off the hook. I'm not a farmer. Okay. 
God's not into, I don't have any crops, right? I've got a little raised bed garden in the back. I don't want some tulips. That's not what God's talking about. Everything, everything is the Lord's. And so scripturally, biblically, we're called to honor God with the very best of what we have to give it back to him. Why? Because it's his. We're called to make giving a priority, not to operate month by month. And if you're able to do this, not to sit down and say, well, this month I feel like it and this month I don't feel like it. That's what's so powerful about online giving. That's why our family does that. We just put it in there. Honestly, you just kind of set it and forget it. And that's really important because then I'm not sitting down going, should I or shouldn't I every month? No, you just do. Because that's who my God is and he will continue to be my God regardless of what's going on in my life from month to month. The difference is there's two different ways to live this life. As if everything is grace or if nothing is grace. As if the world owes you something or you've been put here to be a blessing to others. There's two different ways to live. We can live entitled. Everything is mine. God, get your dirty paws off my stuff. (laughs) Or we can live entrusted. Everything that I have has been given to me. God, thank you. And every day when I wake up with breath in my lungs is a gift from you. Thank you so much. Some of you are like, I don't want to say anything I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving because it's been a terrible year. You're living right now. You're here. You're breathing. You have a family. You have friends. You have so much to be thankful for. And so God called, because God cares about us, he offers us these boundaries so that money doesn't take over our lives. That leads to the second P, and that's percentage. Everybody say percentage. The Bible lays out this helpful tool called tithing. It's particularly in the Old Testament. Jesus affirms it in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 23 and other places. Jesus lifts that up and says, yes, in the Old Testament, this tithe, tithe from a Hebrew word that means tenth, that we give God the very best of what we have. We give him the first. And again, God's not counting your dollars. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, what's the goal for followers of Jesus that have the Spirit living in them? I'm going to ask God... I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to listen to his voice, and for some of you, he might call you to give less than 10%, and for some of you, he's calling you to give far more because you can. And that's between you and him, and it's not between me and you. I'm just laying out what God's word says. So we give from joyful hearts. For some of us, it's less. For some of us, it's more. Now, you might say, geez, why, why does God need this? Is God like stingy or something? He, he, he wants it back. Does God need it? Is God some sort of king that's sitting up in his palace and he's counting his money saying, I need a little bit more from them and a little bit. God doesn't need anything from you. He's God. He's the king of the world. He's the God of the universe. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need anything from you. It's a gift. God is trying to protect you because he knows so easily how money can become a small g God and get its hooks in you. Hear me say this, money is a powerful tool, but it is a terrible God. Money is a powerful tool that can be used to grow the kingdom, but it is a terrible God. And sometimes it's very easy. That's why Jesus talks about it so much, because he knows how easy money can get its hooks in us, and it starts controlling us. And we start living in stress and in fear and anxiety about all these things that have to do with money. And God says, I was never meant to be that way. Instead, I want to fill you with joy, and I want to fill you with freedom. I don't want it to become an idol for you. We've been going through this series called Say What? And this is actually the last uh, week in that series, and we've been looking at some of the shocking statements of Jesus. And he says this, which is pretty shocking in, in Luke 16. No one can serve two masters. 
Either you hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Is Jesus saying that money is inherently evil? Absolutely not. I love money. It does amazing things. Money really helps grow God's church. Is it the most important thing? No, but does God use it? Yes. Is being rich evil? Absolutely not. I love rich people. I absolutely love people that have a lot of money because you have the opportunity to have so much joy. You've been blessed in order to be a blessing. There is nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with any of those things unless we give our hearts to them. Some of you, it's not money. For some of you, it's affirmation. You're constantly crying out and you want more and more and more. The carrot that's constantly dangling in front of you is not money and wanting more. It's affirmation. And that's why you bounce from man to man or woman to woman looking for them to give you what only God can give you. That's the carrot that's dangling out there. It's a better car. It's a better house. It's I, I want to move into a better neighborhood. I want my kids to make the traveling team. Whatever those things are, and yet you still have this hole in your heart. They can only be filled by the God that made you. Of course God loves you. Of course he cares about you and we love you. And that's why God gives us these boundaries and these commands to say, live within these. Treat money as what it is. It's a resource. It's a tool. But that's it. There's one God and money is not it. A great question to ask yourself. Do you have your money or does your money have you? Who's the Lord of your life? When you sit down every month, is it what I feel like? Or have you asked God, made a list of everything that you have, all of your possessions, all of your finances, and in the second column, above it, make the heading, what God wants to do with it. How might God want to use that for his kingdom? Have you ever asked him that? Or you just assume, oh, I'm sure God's just going to bless whatever I do. God's not in the business of blessing you. He's in the business of you getting on board with his agenda and living that out for your life. How does God want to use what he's already given you? We don't want to become enslaved to fear and stress and anxiety and a constant craving for more. It's very interesting. If you don't think this affects everybody, there was a Gallup poll that was done about a decade ago, but I think it would apply today. And they interviewed thousands of people all over, all over the country uh, different age, not age brackets, different economic brackets. People that are making $10,000 a year, people that are making $10 million a year. They interviewed celebrities and rock stars and singers and professional athletes all the way down to people that are living way below the poverty line. And they asked him this question, what does it mean to be rich? <laughs> what does it mean to be wealthy? You want to guess what they said? Overwhelmingly, 95% of the answers all revolved around this. Double what I have now. At every single economic level, more, 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 more. When is it going to be enough? And when is the perfect time for you to start giving back to God what's already his? When is that perfect time going to be? There's always more. Jesus says, let me set you free from that and fill you with my joy this morning. And I want to make something loud and clear. Hear me say this. If you are struggling to make ends meet, if you've had a difficult year, if you're having a hard time provide, providing for your family, do not give to this church and take care of your family first. In fact, the church should be helping take care of you. Okay? And some of you are in that position, and we want to help you, and we want to be the church for each other in that. But for some of you, if we're honest, I'm speaking to everybody all over the place, no matter where you might be. For some of you, you can give 10%. You can give way more than 10%, and it's just going to take some discipline. 
just like anything else. If somebody came to me and said, Pastor, having a really hard time in my prayer life, I think I'm just going to give up. I don't really need to pray. What if I said, yeah, don't worry about it. It's not for everybody. My kids come to me, ah, do I have to brush my teeth tonight? No, take the month off from brushing your teeth. It's fine. It's not really your thing, right? But we do that, right? Oh, read your Bible and pray. My pastor told me to do that. Uh, Tithe? 12%, 15%? Get your hands off my stuff, right? It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. And we love you and we care about you. For some of you, it's going to take some discipline. It's going to be taking a financial literacy course. It's going to be getting your budget under control. We have people in this church that would love to help you with that if you are struggling with that. We offer different workshops and seminars at different times like that. We have financial consultants. We have uh, all sorts of people, people that work for Thrivent Financial, people that would love to sit down with you for free and help you with that. Here's the thing. There's people all over the place in this church, and it's one of the things that I love about us uh, as a church. There's some of you that walked in today and you said, what in the world is tithing? And what, I, I didn't think that, that finances had anything to do with God. Like, there's my spiritual life, and then there's my money, and God just stay out of that. Some of you had no idea what tithing is walking in here. And for some of you, you are at a place, and God has blessed you with a place where you could write a check today and finish off that $1.3 million loan. And if that's you, I would not stop you doing that today. So you just go right ahead and do that, all right? Maybe our motto should be, we have all the money we need. It's just in your checkbook, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. Laugh a little bit. But seriously, I'll be in the lobby if you want to talk to me afterwards, all right? (laughs) And I say that because it's not about money. It's about the mission of Jesus Christ and what God wants to do through this church for this city, amen? So if that's you, be a blessing. Let it go. Serve somebody. Stop sitting on it because God wants to use it. And for some of you, you can give much more than that. And that leads to the third key, and that's progressive. As we go throughout our lives in different seasons of our lives, as our income changes, so too should our tithing. As God has blessed us with more, we're able to give more. I always think about this story. It was probably 15 years ago now. I was doing a little internship at a church out in Colorado. And uh, I was preaching that day, giving this type of sermon on money and tithing. I was filling in for the lead pastor. I don't, great sermon to give the intern. But uh, I did it. And I preached about money. And this guy comes up to me afterwards. And I recognized him. He was a member of the church. And uh, he had cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. And he had a southern drawl. He was not from Colorado. He was from Texas. And uh, he came up to me. And uh, this gentleman was doing just fine for himself. He uh, came into the family business in oil, so you can imagine he's doing fine. And uh, not just that, but then he became the CEO of the oil company, and then they consolidated and bought other companies, and now he owns the equivalent of 10 different oil distribution companies, and he is doing just fine. And lo and behold, he was a Lutheran. That's weird. Um, But here he is, and he comes up, and he says, Pastor Joan, I got to tell you something. And I'm going to stop doing that accent because I don't want you to be distracted by my (laughs) acting skills this morning. He says, Pastor John, I want to tell you something. I normally wouldn't say this, but I wanted to share this with you based on what you said today. God has blessed me so much in my life. And you may not know this, but I inherited these companies from my dad. And I didn't realize it until a few years ago when I met Jesus Christ and started to have a relationship with him. My entire life. I had been building and building and building and growing and growing and growing and consuming more because I just wanted my dad to like me. This man is going to make more money in the next month than I will make in my lifetime. 
and he wasn't happy at all. For some of you, the loneliest moment in your life either has already happened or will happen when you get to the top of whatever ladder you're trying to climb to, and you are so empty. Because money is a terrible God. And human affirmation and approval is a terrible God. And you're always going to have that hole inside of you. And he said, I bounce from company to company and even woman to woman trying to get that need met. I have everything I could ever want. All of my wildest dreams have come true, and yet here I am. But a couple years ago, Pastor John, I want you to know I met Jesus. And he made me realize that everything is his, and that I've been blessed so much. And I want you to know this, and I I, I know you don't need to know this or want to know this. I said, I don't. I really don't. He said, I'm going to tell you anyway, because maybe you'll use it someday. And here I am using it. He said, if I gave any less than a 25% tithe on what I make, I would be robbing myself of the incredible amount of joy that that produces in my life. And I would be robbing thousands and even millions of people from the blessing that they're going to get from me getting my hands off that gift and giving it away. That's what he said. That's what he told me. And I said, hey, do you want to take me out to lunch after church? I just... Maybe generosity is not about how much you have. Or how much you give. It is about the condition of your heart. Every single one of you, including myself, can live the generous life. And experience the joy and the freedom that's available in Jesus Christ today. So what are we asking you to do? If you look at that flyer on the back, there are four ways to connect and there's four ways to give. And I just want to make it very simple and easy. Number one, learn. Some of you need to dive into this deeper. Some of you need to understand what God has to say about your finances to learn. So go online, go on the website there, and learn about this campaign. Again, above and beyond your regular gifts. We're not robbing one account to pay another account here, okay? We're all on the same team. Number two, to serve. We are so incredibly grateful for those of you that give your time and your talents to serve and to love and and to sign up for things and, and to continue to show up and do so many things. Number three, none of this happens without prayer. If you can't do anything, pray. All of us can pray. And number four, to give. And again, to ask that question, God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for Hope Elam? It could be a one-time gift. It could be finishing out the current pledge that some of you have in this commitment. It could be just to start tithing. Some of you are like, I haven't been doing this. I've just been taking and taking and taking and not giving anything back. It's not about Hope Elam. It's about growing the kingdom. And finally, it's your time and talent for some of you that God has called you to give. God, what do you want to do through me? And here's the best part. You're already doing this. You're an incredibly generous church in so many ways that I've already mentioned. A couple weeks ago, we put 40 bins out there, and they were gone after the first service. Those of you that come to 11 o'clock, they were gone. We are in this project called A Renewed Hope with all of our campuses this Advent to welcome in and love and bless hundreds and hundreds of refugee families that are currently resettling in Des Moines right now. And so you're bringing them back. It's filling up out there. If you forgot, bring them back as soon as you can this week or next weekend. And it hit me this week. These families that are literally coming, that some of those bins that you supplied are going to go to families that aren't even here yet. Think about that. And they are coming and they've been split up. And there's going to be a mom coming with four or five kids. And that's literally it. Don't even have a home, let alone how do you find a roof over your head? 
man, if you got an issue with helping people that are coming into our country, you got an issue with the Bible. Just let me tell you. God's heart breaks for these people. And that's not a political statement. That's a statement about the inherent worth and value of every single human being that deserves to be loved and cared for. And if they're coming here, we should not be a church that exists within a couple miles of any one of these families without reaching out to them. And so that's what we're going to do. And there's going to be continued opportunities to help with that in the days and the years ahead. Certainly as we partner with Lutheran Services of Iowa, it's right down the street. But if you didn't get a chance to do that and you missed out, you haven't missed out because we're starting something that we do every year and it's called Joy to the City. And we're going to work, we work with some success counselors at three local elementary schools that are right around in our area here. And we work with them to identify some families that have really been hit hard this year. And so uh, we call it Joy to the City. And on your way out today, if you're here in the room, you can stop by the Christmas tree out there. The 9 o'clock service cleaned you out pretty good. But there's a few, a few left out there, praise God. And as well as you can do it online. It's all going to take you online. And you can decide and ask God what he wants you to give. And some of you are like, oh, great. We're going to go out. We'll get him a bike and an Xbox. It's going to be awesome. Please don't. You want to know why? Because some of these families are asking for socks for their kids. Or a toothbrush. Or toilet paper. No family within the neighborhoods around our church should have to choose between getting a Christmas gift for their kids or putting food on the table or making that month's rent. No family should have to do that. And one of the schools that we're helping is the school that my kids go to. And I'm shocked as I get emails and letters from teachers about what their needs are. You would be shocked at the number of kids that are coming from homeless situations and they come, no wonder they have a hard time paying attention in school. What would you do if it was your kid? And just personalize it for a second. Sometimes we make missions and outreach so impersonal. Oh, I did my good deed this Christmas season. That's great, but it really wasn't the point to make you feel good. It was the point to make a difference in somebody's life. To let them know that God loves them. And maybe we could do that. And maybe every single one of those tags could be on in the future. We don't just support 50 families. We support every single family in the Des Moines Public School District. Wouldn't that be awesome? And we can do that. Maybe it's time to dream again. And when I look at the hurt and the pain and the needs in our community, and I look at that money that's going to the bank, $60,000 every single year, I cannot help but think, let's get that paid down in the name of Jesus so that we can get back to doing the mission that God's called us to do and that that much more can go out and help serve people. It's about making a difference in the kingdom, and you get to be a part of that. When did you stop dreaming? Let's not be a church that stops dreaming. Let's not be a church that stays content or stays on the sideline. What are some of your dreams for this church? <laughs> I was thinking a little bit this week, what if food scarcity wasn't an issue for the four or five neighborhood associations, neighborhoods that are all represented around our church? What if it just ended because of the generosity of this church? What if Hope Elam led out on, led out on low-income housing and sustainable solutions that can t- treat people with dignity in these neighborhoods? What if Hope Elam led the way in the, in, and, and we had enough student ministry volunteers in our middle schools and our high schools, not just our paid staff, student ministry staff, but we had enough volunteers that said, we want to go and meet the kids where they're at, in their hurt and in their pain. And we had enough volunteers to be in every single middle and high school in the Des Moines public school system. 
What if we had hundreds of college students milling around and hanging out at our building every single day of the week at a coffee shop that is run by high school students that are getting paid and they're learning specific job training skills right here in our building? What if Hope Elam continued to lead the way as the leading voice in conversations about racial justice, unity, and reconciliation in this city? What if, what if, what if we didn't stop dreaming A really good way to check your heart in this, if all of your wildest dreams came true, would anybody be affected other than you? What are you going to do in the next week, in the next month, in the next year, in the next decade of your life that is going to matter when you're gone? What are you going to do in the next year that's going to make a difference in somebody's life for eternity? That's why we believe so much in what we're doing. This isn't a talk about money. This is a talk about dreams. This is a talk about a God that makes dreams come true and he's already doing it and you're a part of it. And he chooses to work through us and he chooses to invite us to be a part of it. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. (laughs) I'm so grateful for you and I would not be sharing this with you unless I thought that God could do it through you. This is no time to sit back, Hope Elam. This is no time to grow complacent. It's time to be the church. You can't outdream God, and there's two things that God wants to set free today. That interest that's a part of our debt and you. He wants to set you free today from whatever's holding you back and guilt or shame or pressure or guilt from bad church experiences of the past, from you and that grip that you have on all of your stuff, and he wants to loosen that grip not because we need it, but because you need to give it, and God wants to set you free and fill you up. He has set you free from everything that could hold you back. He's defeated sin and death and the power of the grave to set you free so that you could live in joy and freedom. We have so much to be thankful for, and we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to sing about it. So everybody stand to your feet wherever you are, and let's worship this God that has done everything for us. Let's sing. much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.